Hi everyone, this is Erin Michelle. Welcome to Steps to Trusting. At Steps to Trusting, it's my goal to meet you where you are in your faith journey and to encourage you to continue to take steps to trusting the Lord more fully. If you weren't here last time, I encourage you to go back and listen to that episode. But in today's episode, we're going to be looking at one of the concepts that she introduced to us. And that concept is what we behold affects how we believe. And then how we believe affects our behavior. And even one more step, how we we behave affects who we are becoming. We're going to take that idea and we're going to look in at a scripture. I'm going to pray for us and then we will go ahead and be turning to John 3. Dear God, I thank you and I praise you that you are working in us. God, I thank you and I praise you that you are working in our hearts. Lord, that even when we don't see you, when we're not looking for you, you are working. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes to see, that you would open our eyes to behold who you are, what you are doing. Lord, help us to remember that it is not about our actions or our behavior that make us become important or become great, Lord, but, but that beholding you can change us. It can change us that we believe that we need you, that we behave in a way of thankfulness and love, and that we become more like you. Help us in this process and help us as we look at this passage. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. All right, friends, as I said, we are going to be in John 3. And this may or may not be familiar to you. It does have one of the most familiar verses in John 3, John 3, 16, that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But we'll get there. Let's start in verse 1. It says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that he might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Back to verse 11. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. I want to pause there, and I want to start thinking about Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to Jesus because he saw something in him. Maybe we could say that he beheld something in him, right? Let's look at it. He says in verse 2, he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So Nicodemus sees something in Jesus. He sees something different, and he believes something. He believes this man must have God with him. And it's almost as if Jesus, as he often does, turns and goes right to Nicodemus's heart. He starts digging at what Nicodemus believes, and he starts talking about being born again. Nicodemus can't understand this, right? He then starts focusing on, how could I be born again? He shifts his gaze. Instead of looking at who Jesus is, he shifts what he's beholding, and he shifts and he looks at himself. And he asks the question, how can a man be born when he is old? Almost jokingly talking about, like, do I go back in my mother's mother's belly? Like, this is not possible. And Jesus shifts him again. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And Jesus, in his graciousness, he continues to explain that what was born of flesh is flesh. What was born of spirit is spirit. And he he continues, he talks about the wind. And he says that when the wind blows, you can hear its sound, but you don't know where it's from or, or where it goes. He says, so it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Jesus, in his graciousness, shifts Nicodemus to to behold the Spirit, the power of the Spirit. And he says, Nicodemus, this isn't about you. This isn't about what you must do, but about what God can do in you. He shifts his gaze to look at who God is. When Nicodemus looks at what must I do, look at, at that idea of being born again and Oh, the overwhelming task that that would be, right? The way that Jesus explains this to Nicodemus is impossible. It's not something that we can do. But if Nicodemus were to set his mind only on this idea of how can I be born again and the effort to be born again, Nicodemus could start believing that it is about his actions. But Jesus is gracious enough to tell him, it's not about you, Nicodemus. And instead, he actually takes him to look at a story that happened to the Israelites. And it's talked about in, in verse 14. It says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him 
may have eternal life. The first time I heard the story of what this is relating to was so very confusing to me. And I still don't have it all figured out. But it's talking about a time in the wilderness where actually the people are complaining and disobeying God. And God sends a plague on them. There were serpents that were biting people, and the people were getting sick and dying. During that time, they realize that they've sinned, and they go to Moses, and they say, we've sinned. Tell us what to do. And Moses goes to God, and, and God tells Moses to lift up this bronze serpent so that people can look to it and that they'll be saved. That somehow, through looking at this bronze image of a snake, God gives deliverance. And so we have to look at the fact that it's not about the snake. It's about trusting in God. It's about turning towards him. I think it gives us this reminder and a picture of God's power and saying, instead of beholding your problem and how you can fix it, it's to turn to God and to realize that God gave you a way, looking to God for salvation, trusting in him. That's what Jesus is telling Nicodemus. He's saying God provided a way in the wilderness for these people when they repented. They repented of their sin that brought the plague on them. And God provided a way. He told them to look to the snake. And in the action of looking to that snake that was lifted up, they were showing that they trusted in God. And so when we come to this passage of saying that just as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. We need to look to God's way of provision. This is the way that God provides for us. He doesn't provide for us in having enough willpower or strength or obedience or actions. He provides for us through his Son, Jesus. When Jesus is looking at Nicodemus in the eyes and he tells him this story, he's telling him, Nicodemus, don't behold your problem. Don't behold that this is too much for you to do. Behold the Son of Man. Behold Jesus lifted up on the cross. It goes back to beholding and believing. Beholding the truth. That's what's next in the passage. That God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. That whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the Son of God. See, Jesus gave us a gift of salvation. He didn't come to condemn, but to save. The need was already there. The condemnation, the brokenness, it's already there. And you go back to Nicodemus and you think of the need is already there. Whether Nicodemus acknowledges it or not, there's a brokenness. And Jesus is telling him, you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you're born of the Spirit. And so God, Jesus, was sent. He came to fill that need, the need that was already there, that it talks about here. It says, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is already condemned. 
That need is already there. In our case, the answer is already there too. Jesus came. He died. He was raised up as something that we can believe in, that we can look to the promise of God that he said, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And when it talks about eternal life there, we know people die. But it's talking about being with God instead of eternal death, death and separation from him, but life with God. Just as Jesus rose from the dead, that we will rise and be with him. As we walk, friends, we are becoming who God has created us to be. Not because of works, but because of his sanctification and his work in our lives as his workmanship. I need to learn this lesson over and over. That all the good in me is because of his workmanship and because of his gifts to me. If you're like me, I encourage you to let that truth sink into your heart. Let it wash over you. Be reminded, that which is born of spirit is spirit. Only God can do this work in your life. The question is, will we trust him to do it? Will we behold the Son of Man lifted up? This passage doesn't give us this nice, tied-up, neat bow of where Nicodemus ended up. We do hear more about him in other places of the word. When I think of Nicodemus on this night, I think of his heart saying, I want to be part of the kingdom. I see that you're part of it. Tell me how I can be part of it. And Jesus' answer is an answer does not make sense. It does not compute to Nicodemus because how can a man be born again? I think it's a gift that this is what Jesus tells him to do because we can't do it. We can't be born again, but the spirit, but we can accept the spirits working in our life. We can look to God. We can behold who he is. And I love that Nicodemus came to Jesus. He didn't just behold him from a distance. He didn't just see him from a distance and say, oh, he's, he's a godly man. That's great. He came to him. He wanted to behold the truth. Often we look for what are the things that we can do. There are many questions that we would try and answer by what we do. Are we important? Do we have value? Are we great? Am I a friend? Am I part of the kingdom of God? How do I have a relationship with God? How do I earn my way by what I do into that place? And this is a reminder that it is not about what we do, but it's about what God does in us. Because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. If we see who God is, if we believe who he is, that can affect our behavior. That can cause us to live for the one who died in our place. But we can't start in that place of who we want to become. We can't start in that place of what we believe or how we behave. We have to start with beholding God and his truth. Jesus shifts Nicodemus's gaze. Yes, he's looking at tr- the truth, the e- evidence that he's saying, you are of God. But he says, you need to look, look at the father, look that he sent his only son 
Look that he gave that gift not to condemn us, but to give us a gift. That if we believe in him, that we might be saved through him. Not of our works, lest anyone should boast. It's not of our doing. Let's go to Ephesians 2, starting in verse 8. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Beholding who God is, accepting this gift of God through belief, will show in our works, in our behavior, because we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. And as we walk, friends, we are becoming who God has created us to be, not because of the works, but because of his sanctification and his work in our lives as his workmanship. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm going to close this in prayer. Dear God, I pray that this message would speak to our hearts. Lord, that we wouldn't find ourselves in this constant cycle of thinking highly of ourselves thinking that we'll be satisfied by our behavior or what we're becoming because of our behavior. But Lord, that we find satisfaction in you and that we can do good works to honor you. And because you've enabled us and gifted us to do that. Lord Jesus, remind us of who you are. Lord, remind us to set our hearts and our minds on you, not on the things that we are doing, but to be reminded every good and perfect gift is from you. Everything that we are equipped to do that is good is from you, Lord. And help us to set our eyes on you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Friends, thank you for joining me today. If you were encouraged, would you go on to the app that you listen to podcasts with and leave me a rating or a review? That would greatly encourage my heart. One of the best ways for you to connect with me is through my newsletter. If you're like me and you find yourself getting confused about becoming someone because of your works, I've created a resource, a journaling resource that puts scripture alongside of journaling and help you look at the truth, to behold the truth of God first. Apply that to our lives and then look, how can we step out in faith? How can we live out of this place of grace that God has given us? If you're interested in receiving that, I'll put the links in the show notes where you could sign up to receive that. And you also receive my newsletter, which has announcements come out there first. So if you want to keep up to date with what's happening here. I hope you join us back here next time where we will be talking with Stephanie Cochran about if we can trust God even with our doubts. But until then, I want to leave you with this reminder from Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Friends, I'm praying for you as you keep on stepping.